It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Where does recently added tight end Tyler Croft fit into the picture for the Dolphins offensively? That is our subject today on this episode of Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. We are finishing up our film study of recently added tight end Tyler Croft. This is a player who was added fairly modest time ago. Uh, this was not a player that was signed over the weekend like Isaiah Wynn or uh, Cedric Ogbway. He is the other offensive tackle that was announced to be signed over the weekend by the, at the beginning of the week by the Dolphins. But this was the player that as the kind of the schedule news came out and we talked about the schedule and we did the record prediction and we watched Isaiah win. He's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit and I've kind of casually been watching him as we go. And now that I'm done the film study, I got to admit, I'm pleasantly surprised by this addition for the Dolphins. You know, this this is a one year deal for Tyler Croft to come be a part of the Dolphins tight end room and. You know, there's no guarantees to make the tight end room when you consider the sixth round draft selection that the team invested in a player that they want to transition in Elijah Higgins to play the tight end position all the time. Durham Smythe got a contract extension. You signed Eric Saubert on a one-year deal as well. And then Tanner Connor, a UDFA from last year who used to be a big-bodied wide receiver. There's some competition in this room. But Tyler Croft, I think, can fit like a really nice role Within it, Tyler Croft, he's a sturdy player at six foot five, 245 pounds. When he came through out of Rutgers through the NFL draft process, he, he ran a 4.75 in the 40-yard dash. I think you see that on tape. He's not the most dynamic or um, explosive tight end that you're going to find. Uh, but this is a player who has kind of undertaken this, this really pleasant career evolution from somebody who caught a lot of passes at Rutgers coming out. Uh, When he first got into the league, he was drafted in the third round, uh, 85th overall by the Cincinnati Bengals back in 2015. He's since been on the Bengals. He spent time on the Bills. He spent time on the Jets, and he spent last year on the San Francisco 49ers. Kind of a career journeyman. You can make the argument that it's a skill set that you can find on an annual basis in the tight end room. And I I think that's fair. I think that's indicative of why the last, this will be his fourth team in as many years if he sticks on the Dolphins roster. But there's some blue collar reps that were not necessarily strengths of Tyler Craft coming out of Rutgers that have kind of become 
the stalwart of what he is as a football player. Don't look for his impact in the passing game. He's only caught 105 balls in his entire NFL career. But this is a player who's who's logging 300-plus snaps a season across the last four seasons, playing for four different teams. 45% of the offensive snaps for the Bills in 2020, 63% of the offensive snaps in the games that he dressed for the Jets, and then 33% of the offensive snaps for the San Francisco 49ers this past year. So there's reasonable workload here as a special teams player and as a potential tight end too. Well, from a strengths perspective, he is your traditional inline player. He's the guy who lines up with his hand in the dirt, or you might if you're going to run split flow inside zone, or the entire offensive line blocks in one direction and the tight end off the ball cuts across the backfield and cuts the end man on the line of scrimmage uh, against the grain to kind of set that seal for that running back for an inside crease to hit. That's generally what he does. Uh, That's who he's become as a player who plays in traffic, uh, is a player who kind of like... You think about Durham Smythe. He's cut similarly to Durham Smythe. Uh, You think about Dalton Schultz with the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's a more uh, higher shelf version of this kind of player. You think about Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin who got drafted in the fourth round, who they replaced him with. Uh, I think about the tight end out of Boston College, Tommy Sweeney from uh, a couple of years ago as well. They're all the same kind of build low ceiling against man coverage receivers because they don't separate overly well. And the places that he has been in the last couple of years, he was behind Dawson Knox. He was behind George Kittle. Uh, There's been some high competition, and I don't think it's, it's a coincidence that the least competitive tight end room he's been in the last couple of years was the New York Jets back in 2021. And he caught... 16 passes. He had 25 targets in nine games. Uh, That's more targets than he had in any season going back to 2017. But if you want to know who Tyler Croft is, I think this is the perfect kind of player for the Dolphins because he's not a player who commands targets in the passing game, but he's a player who wins in the the peripheral areas of playing the position. It kind of gets slept on because we're in such a, a Madden and fantasy football-dominated headspace as football fans in a lot of times. Wins as a blocker. Uh, I think San Francisco did some really nice things with him this past year. He's played his last two seasons in Shanahan disciple offenses between Shanahan himself and then Matt LaFleur with the, the Jets back in 2021. So uh, there's some really nice work to be done here. You you see the ability to anchor. You see the ability to get attached on NFL edge rushers. He works combinations very well. You know, kind of your double teams climbing to second level backers. Some of his angular stuff releasing onto linebackers himself. You, You see the impact that he's able to bring to the field. This is a sneaky, solid ad that I would give a pretty strong opportunity to make this Dolphins 53-man roster. Now, what that ultimately ends up being for the tight end room, that's to be determined. And I think there's probably some clues in what the Dolphins did last year where they carried Mike Gusecki, they carried Durham Smythe, they carried Seathan Carter, they carried Hunter Long, and they carried Tanner Connor. right? They, They were quite intent on bringing a lot of versatility to the tight end room. And 
I think that gives you a good clue for the numbers game. And we'll, we'll do that at the end of the show today, kind of counting up the, the opportunities and the snaps to go around and the different roles that guys can fill specifically on the Dolphins roster. But this had to start with where Tyler Croft is good. And I think he's effective in pass protection. I think he's effective as an inline player. I think he gets effective vertical movement. He's capable of winning on the edge. As a blocker, it's the perfect kind of change-up player to put into this tight end room when you have two wide receivers in Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill who are going to command so much of your passing offense. And the economic cost of that is obviously going to be less, which you saw in Tyler Croft and Eric Sauber getting the deals that they indeed did from the Dolphins this offseason. So I'm going to talk some more about his experience and what San Francisco did with him last year in a couple of the games that we watched uh, to kind of get to know Tyler Croft, and, and that will paint some helpful imagery for who I think this player can be for the Dolphins as well. But before we do, need you guys to make a fast break over to FanDuel to get in on the action with these NBA playoffs. Of course, the Heat representing in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics. I don't need to tell you who to root for when you're going against a Boston sports franchise, but that's none of my business. That's up to all of you. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet with FanDuel doesn't hit. How's that for peace of mind? First bet, new customer, up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if you swing and miss or go 0 for 1 from the court on that first bet. With FanDuel, there's no better place to get in on all of the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So experience in San Francisco. I think this is um, this is a good place to start this specific conversation with Tyler Croft. Let me pull up the game logs here. Just I want to make sure I get the snap counts right for the games that I watched. He played 37 offensive snaps in that slop fest against the Bears in week one, that 19 to 10 loss, which was a farce. The 49ers had three touchdowns taken off the field because of the weather conditions. And it is what it is. And Trey Lance missed a couple throws, including a big time shot down the field to Tyler Croft lines up in line, steps down, hard horizontal run flow. He ends up stepping down as though he is sealing on the edge player, rips past him. It's tight end leak. You come all the way across the formation shallow, and then you spike up the far sideline with that hard horizontal run flake. You're looking to get the safeties and all the linebackers flowing out against the grain, and then you're going to throw back to the other side of the field up over the top. He was wide open. He sold it really well. He was really patient before he spiked. 
kind of just that casual flow through traffic, looking like he's looking for a head to pick off, and then boom, accelerates out the back door, cuts it upfield, Trey Lance hits a foul ball with his throw, misses him long and outside over the outside shoulder when he had probably four yards of separation on the linebacker that was trying to get back into his hip pocket and carry him down the field. So that was the first play that said, you know, th- these are the kinds of schemed shot throws you can use as a tendency breaker with a player like this on the field. When you talk about tendency breakers, right? You talk about mismatch players. Talk about the challenges that your personnel groups are presenting to teams. Teams are going to look, and assuming he carries, well, it won't be 81. Did he get a number yet? Let me check the Dolphins roster. Uh, 48, is that accurate? My sources are telling me 48 is the number he's assigned. Teams are going to look for 48 in the personnel. They're going to say, okay, they're probably in 12. Because he's not going to be your top tight end option. That's going to be 81, Durham Smythe, or 82, Eric Salt. Like the competition in this room. It's healthy competition, even though the ceiling's not particularly high. They're going to look for 48, and they're going to say, okay, they're probably in 12. We should probably go base personnel, uh, a little heavier front, maybe big nickel if we do want to have the, the ability to defend the pass a little higher. But you're probably going to run the ball. Uh, you have a higher incidence of running, uh, running the ball. And then you play action off of that. And think about the wheel shot to Alec Ingold that the Dolphins missed early in the year last year uh, when they came straight out of an eye formation. Was it pistol or eye? I think it was pistol. And Ingold lead blocks, but then he olays the blocker and accelerates up the sideline. And Tua was the first play of the game. Just missed him long over his fingertips. Incomplete pass. Those are the kinds of things with, with a blocker who's effective as this that you can get in on the action. Uh, San Francisco also did a lot of stuff with him, I thought, on the edge, uh, whether he was in an H or a Y attachment to the line of scrimmage, blocking edge players, but also with Trey Lance, they had the opportunity to do some more stuff where they left the end man on the line of scrimmage unblocked and looked to block out into space, whether that was safeties or potentially a corner, kind of arc release, get outside, get width, look to pick up in space, and he's not as reactive in short spaces as what like maybe Elijah Higgins would be in those instances. And you watch Elijah Higgins at Stanford and some of the perimeter screen game and what he was able to do as the point man uh, in the slot for the Cardinal. He's not as fluid as that. But I did think he did a good job getting attached on safeties with quick outside hitting runs, whether that was with Trey Lance or somebody else. They used it with Debo Samuel a number of times. And he showed really good leg drive and latch strength in those instances to bully smaller defenders and win in space. And that has been one of the areas of this Dolphins team where you're looking at how they're retooling the tight end room, right? They didn't go out and they didn't get Darnell Washington. They went out and they got Tyler Croft. They went out, they got Eric Saubert. They drafted a wide receiver. These are still athletic players who have some degree of a vertical component or at the very least, Elijah Higgins is, and um, Eric Saubert is. Tyler Croft is a little bit less of that, but I think he's a little bit more of your firm uh, backup to Durham Smythe, slash, I think he's a higher floor blocker than Durham. Durham's more versatile, uh, but I actually think Croft is a higher floor blocker 
And it feels like they're setting this up to have these perimeter blockers be more dynamic and more mismatched type players to stress you in a new way. Obviously, they have the speed to stress with Hill and Waddle, but those are not big bodies, right? To, to be an 11 or 12 personnel and have a tight end out there who's not Mike Isecki, who's rail, runs, the, runs on a rail really well, but is so high-hipped that short area quickness is not really his MO, and he, he doesn't change directions particularly well because he's high-cut, and he's more of a gradual build up long strider type of player. He doesn't move. Tyler Croft doesn't move like that. Eric Solver doesn't move like that. Elijah Higgins doesn't move like that. I think Durham Smythe, um, that's where I go back to his versatility. I, I think he, he gives you above average at, at, or a, average to above average at a lot of components of his game. I just don't think he has something to hang his hat on that really makes him a winning player. Tyler Croft has the blocking component that I think makes him a winning player. Some of these other players, it's, the athleticism in space, and the short area ability. So if the Dolphins are going to do this, and if I'm reading this right and how they're tooling this wide receiver room, is they want players that could simultaneously get behind you or can beat you, beat up your nickel defender or your outside linebacker or your safety that's stepping down and help in the perimeter run game to be more athletic and dynamic to not just challenge you in the middle of the field with Waddle and Hill, but have these bigger body players in high traffic as well, that you, you, they're, they're going to keep you honest. Then having Tyler Croft, who has modest ceiling, uh, but at the very least has showcased good hands, uh, can line up in tight alignments and arc release and get outside and get onto those bodies sufficiently as well, I think gives you enough variety in that room where you feel good about the depth. You know, if you don't have Durham Smythe for a week and you got to roll with Durham uh, or, or with Eric Saubert and Tyler Croft for a week, you're going to feel fine about it. If you don't have Tyler Croft and you have Durham Smythe and Elijah Higgins and Eric Saubert, like you're going to feel fine. It, it, there is a robust amount of depth. I think the floor of this tight end room is higher than the floor of last year's tight end room. And I think the ceiling with Elijah Higgins and, Jul and Tanner Connor and potentially Eric Saubert as receiving players uh, might not be the Mike Gusecki volume that has been in the peak of the past, but the style of play, I think the ceiling will match more of what we traditionally associate the, what this Dolphins offense aspires to be. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So I think that gives you a really nice level of experience with the Jets in 2021, the 49ers last year, playing meaningful snaps for both of those football teams You know, throughout the course of 
the season. He played 37 snaps offensively, 21 snaps offensively. He was inactive for about a month, 18, 21, 27, 23, 16, 14, 20, 18, 23. I mean, those are the snaps that were taken. And then the playoff games, he he was kind of a non-factor. He didn't dress in the, the divisional round, but played 14 games against or 14 snaps against Seattle and then just a handful of snaps uh, offensively against the Eagles in a game which they lost by 24 points and had to throw the ball and needed more uh, dynamic receivers on the field and and was trying to get through with Brock Purdy and he really couldn't throw the ball. So um, played meaningful snaps for San Francisco. I kind of just, when I heard the signing, I said, okay, that'll be nice competition for, for training camp. But I actually think this dude's got a good chance to make this roster. And then you go back to 2021 with the Jets, snaps played in the games, or snaps played, in the games that he dressed for, 43, 55, 23, 46, 51, 15, 36, 50, 44 for the Jets. He's taken significant snaps in these offenses. I think he's primed to contribute to this group and be a quality member of the rotation. And I'm, I'm much more excited now than I was when I heard the name, which is a nice place to be. Uh, as far as snap load with the Dolphins, that's what we're going to finish with here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. As we continue on, I'd like you to consider this your formal invitation to join us on the subtext community. You can text Dolphins to 305-419-3924. Sign up, get to talk with me, text with me on a one-on-one basis, get some behind-the-scenes type stuff for resources that we use to produce the show. May or may not get some rumors that I hear uh, whispered down the alley uh, as well, things that I'm hearing about the team and uh, things that they're interested in doing and try to share uh, a couple of those insights with you guys as well. So we've formed a really nice community there. Uh, you get the first two weeks free. If you decide it's not for you, no worries. You can cancel at any point. If it is for you, it's only a couple bucks a month to text with me, get your Dolphins fixed whenever you want it. So text Dolphins to 305-419-3924. Sign up for the subtext community to see if it's the right fit for you. I think Tyler Croft is a right fit for the Dolphins. As far as... The snap share goes. One would have to assume that Durham Smythe is going to continue to dominate uh, so long as he is healthy this season. It's it's kind of been this continued theme for him as a player. 482, 448, 716, and 557 snaps the last four years offensively not even including special teams, and that, that's about 200, 250 snaps a year. What I think that this may do for Tyler Croft is if you want to mitigate that Durham-Smythe workload, he's always been the tight end too. Now he kind of feels like the de facto 1A, even though the ceiling's the same as the ceiling as when he was the 2. If you want Durham-Smythe fresher, offensively, Tyler Croft, I think, can take just about every offensive special team snap that he's taken. And usually you don't play your your starters on a lot of special teams unit, and yet here's Durham Smythe, 59% of the special team snaps in 2019, 55% of the special team snaps in 2020, 51% of the special team snap in 2021, 42% of the special team snaps in 2022. You already saw, saw it dip last year by about 10%. That was the lowest percent of special team snaps that Durham Smythe played 
in his career was last year. And that was in spite of the fact that the Dolphins lost Seathan Carter in the season opener. And Hunter Long was not dressing on seemingly a weekly basis. They were down numbers in the tight end room from the jump, and he still played less snaps. So that, I think, is kind of a low-key, sneaky pathway as well. Now, how much of that he takes versus what Elijah Higgins would take or Tanner Connor would take or those guys on the field simultaneously. It depends on the unit. But um, I think Tyler Croft on the punt team makes a ton of sense as somebody in the protection unit with how good of a blocker he is. He's a good enough blocker to get downfield and run downfield and help cover kicks. Uh, I, I think that is kickoff return getting him in positions where he has to block in space and, and you can kind of form these two-man bundles to, to go out and try to set a wedge for somebody without putting too many bodies on it because that would be a flag these days. But I think special team snaps, I think 12 personnel, particularly in early down situations and in the red zone. If you told me Tyler Croft made this team and he took 250 snaps this year offensively and took 200 snaps defensively, I would not bat an eye. And I think that would be a perfect usage and implementation across a 17-game season. I'd guess he does make the roster. Well, they have a lot of, they're, they're betting on a lot of developmental guys with Elijah Higgins and Tanner Connor. And they've, we've heard the quote that Tanner Connor had mentioned that the team told him he's further ahead than, than where they expected him to be after the first year. But what is that ceiling? What does that snap share look like? What is he as an inline player? I think that even though the team really liked him and they held on to him last year, I think the fact that they drafted somebody else in the room and then Tyler Croft has a different set of strengths, he's not as athletic as Tanner Connor. But I think with where his strengths are as a blocker and how that potentially gets you on the field in both heavy personnel situations offensively, and on some of your kick units gives him an inside edge to potentially make this team on this one-year deal. I'm fascinated to see how the group goes. Would not be surprised if they carry all five. I think they'd be justified to carry all five with how it stands right now. I feel a lot better about the depth than I did three months ago when it was uh, Durham Smythe, Tanner Connor, and that was it. And it wasn't all that long ago. That's all the dudes they had in the tight end room. So I, I view this as a really nice move for the Dolphins, a, a very under-the-radar type of addition that uh, might not win you many football games off his individual contributions to the passing game, but he's going to do a lot of dirty work and, and be a very, very valuable piece of the uh, puzzle from a peripheral perspective if the Dolphins have him on the 53-man roster to start the season. That's my two cents on ta uh, Tyler Croft. Make sure you keep it locked in here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. Fins up. I appreciate you guys checking out the show. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make it a great rest of your Tuesday. I'll be back again soon with yet another episode as we continue forging forward towards training camp here in the next couple of months. Peace. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.